Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. In this In Focus episode, we will be discussing one of the top issues in loss prevention, fire safety, and in particular in relation to container ships and railroad vessels. We will be speaking to Colin Gillespie, Director of Loss Prevention for North PNI. Welcome to the Maritime Podcast, Colin. Thanks, Marcus. It's great to be here. Could you tell our listeners what you see as the top issue for the club in terms of loss prevention? The top issue for loss prevention at present, I would say, we're concerned about some of the sectoral risks that we see, particularly in the container sector and within the rural PCC sector. Fires being probably the top of that list for those sectors. Over the past five years, the, the number of fires on both container ships and uh, rural PCCs is causing some concern and the seriousness of those fires, the cost and the, you know, the danger to life. We have seen some very serious fires, both on container ships and railroads. How much does this relate to things like the size of the vessels and is the equipment to fight these fires adequate? Well, there's a number of different aspects to it. The vessels themselves are larger than they were in the past. So there is a concentration of risk on board those vessels. And that leads to more fires, really, on a vessel. So you you get that concentration of risk. Then you've got the fact that the vessels have been designed in a particular way where perhaps the difficulties of fighting a fire on such big ships were slightly underestimated. It's very difficult in a container ship to get to a box that's going to stack it high and, you know, several containers deep. It's very difficult for the crew to get to that and deal with it and put containment in place. So the difficulties of dealing with these things have been exacerbated by the size and the ship's typically have been built to older class rules that were designed for ships that were smaller. So there probably is a design aspect to it, Marcus. Okay, so you've got that design aspect. So the misdeclared cargo issue is serious, Marcus. It's something that all container ship operators, the liner operators are trying to grapple with. But there is only so much the industry itself can do in terms of misdeclarations, they can have systems in place where they try and spot common misdeclarations and try and weed out potential misdeclarations. There's information sharing goes on through SINs, but really the size of the container industry, the number of shippers involved, you know, from practically every country in the world means that you are going to get some unscrupulous shippers who are trying to ship their products for cheaper. You know, sometimes it's a cost issue. Or it might be some other issue, but usually cost. And it's very, very hard for the container industry to weed all those out, particularly if they don't have or there's not a lot of support and enforcement on the shore side of things from the authorities. So really, for that to change, you're going to need action both from the the container owners who are taking action and do try and weed out the misdeclared stuff, Probably education with the shippers, you know, really trying to explain as much as the industry can why it's very, very important that things aren't misdeclared. And, of course, some enforcement action on the other side of that by authorities who have to back up the legislation that exists in their countries that means that shippers should be declaring accurately. 
So what would you advise with those factors we just talked about, design, Mr. Claire Cargos and so forth, what would you advise your clients to do in terms of trying to prevent these incidents from occurring? Prevention side of things is very difficult because of the sheer nature of particularly the container industry. Our clients, the liner operators, are already all over this. They're cooperating together. They have to continue to cooperate together. And I, I think it's only by talking to partners, shippers, freight forwarders, the authorities, including the main shipping companies, and really trying to create you know, a coalition of like-minded parties who are trying to ensure that goods are shipped safely, that we can move forward over the next you know, five or ten years, it will take a long time. You know, there are great strides being made on that from by World Shipping Council and bodies like that. So it really is for, for everybody, not just in the ship owning side of things and their supporters, service industry supporters like us, but also on the actual manufacturing and shipping of the goods side of things and trying to make a strong coalition there to educate all shippers about the dangers of misdecorations and also to try and put system to weed out misdeclared cargo. Okay, so that's quite a lengthy, ongoing process. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't change a, a, an industry like the container shipping industry in five minutes. It's not an easy fix. There's no one piece of advice. It's going to be a long, gradual process of trying to get somewhere where everything is safer. And I, I think you know all the players in the industry recognise that. Meanwhile, we're in a pretty risky place, I think. But all of us, it's important to all of us to keep putting these messages out around misdeclaration and all of us to be in guard for misdeclaration whilst the work is ongoing. I mean, it's become increasingly evident that all the parties in the transaction don't want the disruption. So the vast majority of shippers who declare their goods properly and trying to do things right, they don't want misdeclared goods on the ship either. So it's about that coalition of the willing and the coalition of people who are trying to do things right to sort of reject the part of the industry that isn't just trying to misdeclare and do things right. If you're enjoying listening, make sure you never miss an episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on the app of your choice. Is there anything from a sort of fire safety, fire fighting equipment that can be done in the meantime? There's a lot of work ongoing in this space, Marcus, with various initiatives going on, both in trying to change the firefighting equipment on board the ships. There's initiatives I am able to change so last to maybe put different equipment on board. There's a lot of experimentation going on by different bodies, Shoreside Research Institute, shipping companies, to try and see what works best. Very evident, particularly on the rural side of things, there's a lot of experimentation going on there to try and see if there's better processes that can be put in place on board, to see if there's technology that can help to detect fires more quickly so that they can be responded to more quickly, and and technology to help ships fight the fire as well. So there's a lot of things going on there. We're involved with a project called Lash Fire, which is an EU-funded project, which is looking specifically at rural ships and PCCs and, and, and you know, engage with a lot of different authorities, shipping companies, research institutes, to, just to, to to try and see what technology is out there that can help both hard tech and soft tech in changing systems and processes and how fires might be responded to and managed. So there, 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 is a, there is quite a lot of work going on in that space, both from 
shipping industry, IMO, and you know, supported by bodies like EMSA. That's good to know. Just staying with the Roro part for a moment there, is it just purely ship design? Are there other issues that are causing the fact that there are more fires in Roros? Well, it's not just ship design, Marcus. The, the fires come aboard the ship. They don't originate on the ship. And like most problems in shipping, they start ashore. So when vehicles come aboard, particularly if they're second-hand vehicles or vehicles already in service, they can come aboard with a whole plethora of problems. And if there is a fire, particularly fires below deck and sometimes fires on the garage decks of Roros, they're quite hard to respond to. Below deck fires are hard to respond to because it's an enclosed space. Vehicles are close together. It, you know, it's difficult for the crew. And on the garage decks, you don't have that access to the fixed firefighting systems that you otherwise have. So on pure Roros, you get that double whammy. It's difficult to fight the fires on the closed deck, but at least you have the fixed firefighting. But on the open deck, fixed firefighting option and CO2 option or your sprinkler system's not there. So it's difficult to deal with those. Because of the proximity of the cargo, it spreads quite quickly and it gets big quickly. And then it becomes very difficult or impossible for the ships to deal with. On PCCs, the problems are slightly different. But again, it can be it can be secondhand cargo, but it can be new cars. It's just an electrical fault in a new car. And because you get that concentration of risks, you've got 5,000 cars sitting in one place for up to three weeks. You know, that's a lot of hours when they're sitting there and something could go wrong. And then if something does go wrong, the proximity on a PCC is very close and it spreads very quickly. So if you can't react very, very quickly, then it's hard to contain those fires. In the auto industry now, an increasing number of cars are electric with large lithium-ion batteries in them. Is that also a factor? That is definitely changing the risk profile, Marcus. What we understand about lithium-ion batteries, and we're doing quite a lot of work on that with with some experts and, and with an industry group called the Vehicle Carrier Safety Forum, which any vehicle carriers listening, please contact me. I'd be, be happy to get you on board. There is a difficulty with lithium-ion batteries in terms of fire safety and fire response. Because it's not a normal fire that it needs to bring oxygen in to burn, it's a chemical fire. You're not able to deal with it in the usual way you would in a ship. A typical way a fire would be fought in a ship is you have some sort of initial response where they maybe try and put it out with extinguishers. Then if that doesn't work and it becomes quite a quite a big fire, you might try and put a bigger team in there and try and deal with it with hoses. And then after that, if that doesn't work, you'd go to the fixed firefighting system. And usually the fixed firefighting system would suppress and help you control the fire on the standard fire. But with a lithium and battery fire, the fire is self-sustaining. So it doesn't matter if you put CO2 in, it will just keep burning as long as the fuel in the battery is there and the energy in the battery is there to keep it going. So there's a particular problem with those fires, dealing with them. And ships are not really equipped to deal with electric vehicle fires. The seafarers aren't trained to spot and deal with electric vehicle fires. So there is a particular gap developing, if you like, in the risk management process with regards to the to lithium-ion batteries uh, and the fires that arise in lithium-ion batteries. The industry is trying to respond to this. These, the ship owners we've got within the group are very concerned about it and about what they can do about that. Recently, EMSA have, have published a paper for guidelines for fires on alternatively fueled vehicles, which electric vehicles are. So, you know, it's starting to become 
a topic within industry that us safe guys involved with safety are starting to talk about a lot and think about changes in how things might be done if an electric vehicle car is identified. That is all we have time for today on the Maritime Podcast. Thank you to our guest, Colin Gillespie of North PNI. Make sure you catch the next episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on the app of your choice. Till then, thank you for listening and stay safe. <laughs>